Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Today's Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast brought to you by Kettenbach Dental. New from Kettenbach, imagine one product for every cementation protocol, a hydrophilic adhesive cement and a hydrophobic core buildup material combined into one product, Visalis Semcore, compatible with all substrates, all restorative designs. Its unique technology permanently bonds materials using a dual curing phase transfer catalyst. It also features easy peel cleanup, saving time and stress when removing excess cement. Experience why dentists bond permanently with Kettenbach's all-in-one adhesive cement and core buildup, the Salus Semcore. Call 877-532-2123 or visit us on the web, Kettenbach, K-E-T-T-E-N-B-A-C-H-D-E-N-T.us. Welcome to the fee-for-service podcast. Dr. Sonny Spira still sitting in for Drew Burns for a while. Not sure when that's ending, but as you know, on the one podcast on the update, Drew did say I'm still substitution. So I'm holding him to that. Today, we got a special guest. Uh, you're actually a pretty good friend of mine. We've become friends over the years. Um, it's Dr. Len Tao. Len is a private practitioner in the Philly area, I believe, right? And has recently sold his practice and moved into the associateship role. And he lives now in Florida. And I think he travels up to work one, two days a week. Uh, two days a week, Mondays, Tuesdays, I, I'm clinical, or I say I play dentist now. Um, and the rest of the time is involved everything else I do in with the industry. So I'm very connected to dental still, but I, I'm not the owner of my practice anymore. Okay, so let's talk about your practice first and, and how it got to where it was. Now, you were 100% fee-for-service, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Now, was, was your payment policy to pay up front and do their own insurance, or were you out of network like we are, which is take co-payments and then collect the dental insurance uh, portion, what have you? How, was, how did you run your practice? So it's really interesting. So I, I bought my practice in 2007 okay. uh, from a dentist who unfortunately had committed suicide, passed away, oh. uh, gutted the building, redid everything. So you wouldn't even know it was the same dental office. You did that immediately um, when you bought the practice? Immediately when I bought it. I bought it. Uh, oh my goodness. Wow. At March. I bought it March 19th of 2007 and July, everything was already redone. So let me ask you, weren't you nervous about changing things around for the people immediately? No, because of the circumstances that I took over the practice, it was something that was a necessary, uh, thing I had to do because the team didn't want to be in that building that looked like the other building and the patients really wanted a new, a new look to the building as well. So that was something I committed to once I bought it. Um, the, the team in my initial interview with the team, every single one of them wanted to know when I was renovating the office. So I just, okay. that was, that was the first thing I did when I bought it. Um, like I said, we bought it in March. It was all done in July. Um, how, and, long, uh, how long had he passed away before you bought the practice? He actually um, committed suicide on Jan January 14th, and I bought it March 19th. 
you know, two months later. Okay. So yeah, luckily, luckily um, he was very well liked in the community and there were four or five dentists who were working in the office to support the practice until a dentist okay. took over it. Yeah. Correct. So in office aid, we have that in our area too. That's a phenomenal, I mean, anybody in a solo practitioner, there needs to be that in office aid group. You know, you have a back injury or something to keep your practice alive and vital and mm-hmm. something like that's a lifesaver. Correct. So, so, so the practice um, maintained, that's pretty good. Right. So it was fully fee for service when I bought it and it remained that. So to answer your question, um, we submitted to the insurance for the, for the uh, patients we took their copay and their deductibles and whatever else was due. And then we, we estimated that. And then we um, took credit card authorizations to balance bill anything that was remaining if we were off a little bit. Uh, but we, we were still, we were out of network. We weren't hundred percent fee for service. Okay, great. Now, did you see, um, I don't know how much you want to share about the purchase in terms of pricing and what the practice mm-hmm. was doing, but if you want to share that, go ahead. Sure. In, in his final year, the practice did one, just shy of $1.2 million. This is back in 2007. Um, I had paid uh, $800,000 for the practice back then. Um, and there were about $50,000 that were held in escrow to pay me back for any dentistry that had to be redone. Okay. Did you find that fair or was it more than that? The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. No, no, that was very fair. I don't think I use anywhere near that amount of money. So, um, no, he was a great dentist, very well respected. Um, it was what I was looking for. I was looking for that. That amount of money was perfect for me. The circumstances I bought it upon, which were you know, under a, a death of a dentist wasn't ideal, but right. the teams, the, the entire team stayed um, to help the patients come in. I think we retained about 70% of the patients. Um, I always say about 20% didn't come in and even meet me. <laughs> 10%, 10 met me and didn't like me and the rest stayed. So yeah, I think when you buy a practice, I think you have to assume a 20% attrition rate, no matter what. I think that's fair. So So Mm -hmm. in terms of of that, how did that work out numbers wise then? I mean, did you, did you maintain what he was doing? Did you grow the practice? I mean, because immediately you dumped a lot of money into the practice if you renovated completely in three months. So I was $18,000 in debt um, without the month even started. That's what my loan was because I made a decision. I wanted to get out of debt as quickly as possible. So I paid the, I made the loan seven years instead of traditional 10 or longer. So seven years, um, $18,000 a month before I opened my doors at the beginning of the month. Um, the first year, which if I remember correctly, we did about $850,000 in, in nine months. Um, so it was right on the target, target. Um, we had little growth over the couple uh, of the next couple of years. And that's when I decided to take over my my own marketing that I did, um, found reviews. And then we went up to $2.5 million. It was it, yeah, we went from 1.3 to 2.5. Doubled the um, practice. Doubled the practice in year three. So 2010, I doubled the size of the practice. And, so wait, wait, um, was that, was that the, your second year, full year in operation? My, so we bought it in 2007, 2008, 2009. So that was, those were the two and a half years. And then from 2009 to 2010 is when we had that huge jump. Okay. So from 2000, so yeah, so basically, yeah, it's, you doubled the practice. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah so we, ask, we- Let me ask you this about the, the team. When you bought the practice, because they, they talked about the renovations, was there also a kind of a assumption that our pay is going to go up or our time, you know, anything like that? Because there's always a miscommunication there. Always, always. And I don't so, care if it's alive or dead. It's always- Yeah, yep. so they were very, very well compensated. The, they were higher than I've ever imagined paying employees but i hate to say it, they had me like the, by the balls <laughs> and if they but left they were above like above scale right above way way above scale way okay. above scale All right. and, and i knew that if they weren't there there was no practice i mean they right. were keeping the patients in there so and i said they had me by the balls, so they knew that they could push a little bit and get more from me which they did um and um it, 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 what it is i knew if i bought the practice i had to commit to doing that um, and that's why the first couple of years were more of a struggle for me um, because I, my overhead was, was, was very high. 
Yeah. And it wasn't until they, and you know, as if you only wait to lower, to lower your overhead is either to lower your expenses or make more money. And I chose to make, just to make more money. One of two ways. One of two it. ways, baby. <laughs> you either make more money or you, or you uh, lower your expenses. And I, I actually increased my expenses. I spent a lot of money on marketing. Uh, I did some things. And I, I talk about this all the time. You know, I threw darts at a lot of things marketing wise. Uh, more so than your, I didn't do much traditional advertising, but a lot of internet things I threw darts at, and some of them are really good and some of them are really bad. I, I'll always say I did a, um, a phone, or excuse me, a, a radio show. I was, I, I sponsored a radio show for the Phillies um, and ended up, it was, it was getting like maybe four or five advertisements on the radio every day. And I literally did not get a single patient from that. That was, and it was a $25,000 investment. I got tickets to the World Series because the Yankees were, and I'm a Yankee fan. So I got World Series tickets and, and like a, a season of tickets for the, for the Phillies. That was that was what I got from it. Um, and I and literally, I only say the only patient I ever got from it was the person who sold me the ad spend because he felt so bad I got nothing from it. And it became a patient of mine did a business line in the office. So literally, it was I, a huge waste of money. So, but I so tried got, things. Yeah, one one patient out of sheer guilt. So that either had to be a Jewish guy or an Italian Catholic. One it was a Jewish. Guy. It was a Jewish guy. It's, <laughs> it was sheer yeah. guilt, right? It's yeah. sheer yeah. guilt, baby. Yeah. We so live on felt, guilt. You, your yeah. culture, my culture, it's all guilt. <laughs> yep. So he felt really bad. Became a patient. Um, but it, I mean, literally, that was a huge waste of money, and I lost lost it a lot. Um, but I tried lots of things. Um, and look, I tell I, people will think I'm nuts when they tell this. The the biggest boon to my practice, believe it or not, was I was the very first dentist in Philadelphia to do Groupon. Very first dentist, June, June of 2000 and, and uh, June 10th, 11th and 12th, it ran. I sold 500 Groupons to my practice. Overnight, I got 500 potential new patients. And nowadays people are crazy. They think they're crazy to do Groupon. This was the very first dentist to do it. Things were different back then, very different. And I ended up- Go ahead. What's that? No, then kind of interesting for a fee for service practice to go that route. You know, that's almost, you know, back, yeah. well, back then it was, it was literally, it was a discount on services. It wasn't giving away the service for basically nothing. So I ran a veneer deal. I ran a in, in $500 off Invisalign deal. It was very different back then. Um, but I ended up getting 500 new patients, but those 500 patients, which all of them didn't come in, grew my practice by $280,000 that first year. From those patients and it cost me nothing so it was it was a huge 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 boon to my practice and i still look we when because i transitioned the practice now we looked at who was still in the practice and of those initial 500 patients we still retained about 20 percent of those patients in the practice so it was huge and i started teaching the group on model because again it was very different back then now it now you really have to be really uh trying to grow your practice differently to continue doing it with the way they work out the finances and stuff. But for me, it was a great, and, and look, there's, if you go in dental town, I talked about it. I talked about it at all my seminars. It was a really good way because I was the first to do it. It's simple. It was just lucky. Um, now, so, so that was so, one of the ways I grew it. So let's talk about your trajectory. So you're, you're about, you're about 800,000 in nine months. So you're, let's, let's just call it 1.2. Mm-hmm. And the next year, was this part of the next year? Was this part? Yeah, of so, two, so 2000, this was 2008, yeah. was, was pretty much um, around the same. There wasn't a lot of growth. 2009, uh, 2009, there was similar, not a lot of growth. 2010 was this huge jump to double my, double my numbers. And the other thing was I really took on Invisalign, and 25% of my practice happened to be Invisalign. That's one of the reasons why. So you so added, was, so added Invisalign, the Groupon was another part of your growth, right? Well, there. I added Invisalign in 2007. I was I had no intention of being an Invisalign provider. The only reason I did was because there were five patients in the practice that I would not be able to treat because the other doctor did and he had Invisalign running. I didn't know anything about it. So I took the class. It took me three years to really learn what I can and couldn't do with Invisalign. And that's why 2010 was this huge jump. Okay. We did 119 cases that year or some crazy number like that. So, um, so let me ask you, what was your, what was your team like when you started? How many member team members in 2007? So, so we had one person at the front. Yep. I had two dental assistants and two hygienists. Okay. So you have a team of five. That's that. I, I almost had the exact same thing when I first started, but I had two front desks because the hours I was working were crazy. So one worked most of them, the other worked some of them, you know? 
but I don't think I ever had two at the front. No office manager then at that time. Yeah, she was, it was actually the office manager. She was the person at the front. There was an office manager. Um, there was two dental assistants and then two hygienists, actually a third hygienist who was part-time, but yeah. she worked like one Monday a month. It was not, I would not consider her a, a big part of it, but. And you um, stayed, and you stayed with those five through 2008. So the, yeah. So one girl left me the first year. Um, it wasn't a good fit. She left. Um, I brought in an F who's my expanded function dental assistant who came in, found a new one on Craigslist. She was amazing. She's still with the practice. Um, there's one remaining employee who's still with me after 50, who was still with me after 15 years. She was the one person who stayed. Um, and then over the years, we brought in obviously additional team members. Um, but they were all gone except one of them by year three. Okay. So in year three, when you have this, you know, magnificent jump, how many uh, team members do you have now at this point? Cause you've doubled same, your practice, but same number of, same number of team members. So increase revenue. Uh, fix yep. dollars, fix de de decreased, decreased overhead big time because I increased my revenue significantly. Yeah. So the, the split so, between the two is profit, right? So absolutely. So exactly. Exactly. Okay, so you were able to do that. Um, well, I got to ask you, how'd you do that? I took, well, number one, and I hate to say it is I got rid of the office manager. So the office manager, I was running the practice, really owned the practice in my mind for the first few years, because I just didn't, I wasn't a good leader at that point. Um, she actually, um, I found her writing prescriptions with my prescription and oh. got rid of her, got rid of her, hired a coach, learned how to run the business uh, a lot better than I had been running it. And we took off marketing, me taking over that. I took over um, treatment presentations and financial presentations, which I still do to this day. That's what I've always been responsible for. But when she left, I took that over and the so. practice skyrocketed. So what, what at this point is your office manager doing? Just hiring and firing? Or no, my office manager went off. I got fired, who, I, who got fired. Then I just had a front desk person. I became the office manager in that sense. Yeah, that's, I was going to say, you know, a lot of people do that. They have an office manager that's not really running the office. And, and let me ask you this. If you went back and your younger self and you started, you did the exact same thing, would you keep everybody exactly the same way? I, I don't think I would have made that many changes to the practice. I think what happened was good for everybody involved. It was good for me because I learned a lot to run a business. I literally learned if, if all my team members left, I could run the office if I had enough hands. I knew I knew dentrix better than anybody. I knew how to do finances. I knew how to do the books. I did all my QuickBooks for years. So I, I needed this. I needed to learn how to run the business. And that's I became a better boss because of that. Did you uh, did you have that kind of background, or how did you learn this stuff? Just taking lots of classes, getting lots of training, um, becoming just a better, taking tons of CE, um, and just learning. I, I was I was like a sponge, um, asking lots of questions, meeting the right people, networking. Um, it's kind of why I'm in a really good position now because, or I was in a really good position because I, I knew how to run the business. And I, I think I became, like I said, a better, a better owner slash dentist because I had to do all these things. Okay, so you, you learned it more or less out of necessity, but you're working a full-time practice. Give me the number of hours approximately you're at Chairside. So the practice, so the other change I made at the very beginning was he was working until 9 p.m. two nights a week. Okay. Now let me, let me just lay the groundwork for you. So I bought, I, I bought a house in, in April of, of 2006. Okay. My wife had a baby in May of 2017, uh, 2007, three months after I bought the practice. Of I ended up being so under so much stress. I ended up getting shingles and I, shingles and I couldn't touch my son for the, for however long it was, but I mean, lots of practice purchase kid on the way. Um, built, you know, house purchase all within the same year. Crazy, crazy not what we were doing. Um, so like I said, I was working, so I changed the hours to come back an hour earlier, but we were working 25 hours a week clinical forever. We have never changed the hours, 25 clinical hours a week, Monday, nine to five, Tuesday, Thursday, 12 to eight and Wednesday, nine to one. And that was it. So we did it all in 25 hours a week. Okay, so you you weren't you weren't um, I, I don't not no insult you weren't killing yourself chair side in terms of the hours. 
running the business, I was in the office right. 40 plus hours a week. Yeah, see, that's the part I'm not sure people appreciate because I know when I started, I was working a crazy number of hours chair side. I had two nursing homes that I was going to each week. So that was six more hours. And I was doing all the same things myself, checking that, you know, checking the balance sheets. It was all by paper, you know, so it was the triple right system, making sure the deposits and the dismatches and, you know, and all that stuff. So, I, and doing the payroll. So I was probably another, you know, 30 hours outside. So I had two young kids. We had our child in May, 91. She had to have open heart surgery a week later. Um, you know, and then and here we are in 10, 1, 91, I'm in my own business and, and freaking flying by the seat of my pants as we went. But, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm young. I'll learn it. And it helped learn along the way, because if you're willing to learn it, it's okay. You can teach somebody, but now you know it, but that's like, you know, you're paying your dues as you went. Everybody says, Oh, you work 25, 25 hours a week. You had the life of Riley. You don't understand what we went through to to work on the outside so that those 25 hours are working smarter and better and with a direction. So talk about, you said you had a coach and you brought a coach in. How, how did you come to determine, Hey, I need some outside help. So I always say that I thought I was a great businessman. I've always, I mean, I had a baseball card business when I was 13, I was making $60,000 a year. I've been an entrepreneur forever. Okay. And, and, and I thought running a dental business would have been, would, was, it would have been easy. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I first started the business. There were so many things I did not know how to do. The dentistry became super simple. The business was very difficult for me. Dentistry um, is the easiest thing. I say that every day. Go ahead. Yep. So I had to, I literally decided that this was something I needed to do. I needed to get the girls in the office a little bit more under my control. And I hired a, a, a coach um, who basically taught me how to deal with the team, taught me how to deal with the business. Obviously didn't help with dentistry. Um, she, I was a, being a New Yorker living, living in Philadelphia. I was, I was very, very fast talking, uh, not that I'm not now either, but significantly less now than I was then. And she told me I needed to slow down. She videotaped my treatment presentations. She told me how to talk to patients differently. And she literally changed the way I, I function in the office. Um, and I owe her a lot of, I owe her a lot of credit for that. So she taught you a lot about presentation. How about the business part? Was she talking to you about that? Like how to, what you had to do to manage systems and stuff? I, I actually was pretty good at that part. It was more of, of, of that was the treatment presentation. But also I was a terrible, terrible listener. And she pointed out key things that proved to many people that I was, even though I thought I was listening, I was not listening to them. So um, I actually got a listening coach and learned how to listen better. And I actually... And I have that um, art of the sale class I give. And one of the things I teach a very basic version of is, is called active listening, because that literally changed my life was, was literally learning how to listen to people. And I always say now that I listen, I'm a great listener. I remember I have a memory like a hawk, remember everything. I really don't listen to my wife. I have selective hearing with her, but I I'm a very good listener in general. Because how long have you been married? How long have you been married? 15 years now. It's working. <laughs> 15 years now. So I always say the reason it's lasting so long is because I travel a lot. I'm not always around. <laughs> so, so, so more so than anything else, because I've been on the road for, you know, we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet, but I, I was on the road for a very long time. So, um, so, but no, running a business was hard for me and, and I learned, I had to learn how to do it. And it's all be because I had the right, I, I, I really got the right people to align with me on things. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think that your brain's running in 8,000 different directions? Oh, always, always has been that way. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, we have a lot in common, more than I thought. So yeah. no question oh, about it. And the, Always like that. And the listening, definitely. And it's it's an underappreciated skill, and it's not a taught skill, right? It's it's taught usually by accident, you know, like, well, you didn't hear that. Well, then you got the question wrong. Well, I'll figure out another way out to get the question right next time. doesn't mean I have to listen better, right? Correct, 100% so. 100%. And then active listening, right? The, the the deal of the compassion and the empathy. And I think that's such a nonverbal signal to the patient that, oh, he gets me, you know. Well, I always teach a nonverbal signal. This is, and nobody can see us, but, you know, you're, we're looking at each other. This is the biggest nonverbal skill that you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Nodding your head shows that you're listening to the patients. If you're not nodding, they don't know you're listening. So I'm a, I nod all the time because I'm always listening to what a patient says. 
So right. that's something I, that's something that's very important to getting patients to buy into what you're, you're selling them is making sure, you know, they're listening to them as well. And you know, the second thing is right. My book is eye contact, eye contact, hundred percent. So especially because we, we have masks on now masks on. And, and, and they can't see our, our smiles and stuff, which is another great way to listen to them is you're smiling. So we, eye contact is huge. Huge. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the lack, the lack of facial expressions is very hard. You miss out on a lot of, you know, little cues. I agree with you. Hundred percent. So, um, so, so you got this practice cooking now, right? And and you had a coach. Now you had a listening coach. And a, do you want to share their names or or no? You don't. The listening coach doesn't exist anymore. She went out of business. But my coach, her name was Lorraine Guth, G U T H, okay. and her practice, her company was called Motivations by Mouth. Okay. Um, and she's, I don't even think she's coaching him, but she, I think she lives in Alabama now, but she worked with a ton of doctors and she, she was, I mean, I, I owe her a lot. I owe her a lot. You know, uh, she's, she's a crimson tide now. That's all right. That's okay. Yeah. Everybody, right. I think she's in Alabama, but, um, how did you go about finding those people? They found me. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I know new people in Philadelphia and I asked around and I got their names and she'd been working with a couple of other doctors in my area. And I reached out to her and I said, look, this is the problem. I need some help. Would you be willing to help me? And, and it just, we just fit. We just had a nice connection. And look, it, I think she would tell you, I was a star. I'm stubborn. You know, I, I'm very defensive. It, it took a lot of it to break me, but she broke me well, <laughs> I guess they can say she broke me in well. So, so you at is it dentist specific or was it business period? No, she's dentist specific. Okay. All right. Well, great. That's great advice, you know, and, and it's because you hear about so many and now with Facebook, there's so many posers on all these different sites that have their different tactics that, you know, you, I'm, I get very cynical. I'll be very honest with you. I get very much like standoffish. And I think the one thing Drew's done a nice job with, with the fee for service group is he's, made it a dentist friendly and dentist only, you know, environment. And he's worked hard at that. So you, it's, it's, it's a little more, I think it's a little more free sharing amongst doctors and, and, and people there. So like if Len, if you posted something, say, Hey, you know, something's coming up. I think you would get honest advice. You wouldn't have to worry about somebody kind of backdoor selling you on something, you know? So well, it's, still, it's still, it's still funny to me. I posted about the purchase of a practice on dental town uh, about about wanting to practice, but buy a practice when the dentist committed suicide. And it's still up there. You can still find it. And there are so many naysayers out there that said, do not do this. This will be the worst decision you ever make in your life. And I've obviously proved them wrong. So um, it, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting that if going back and reading those, those comments made by those anonymous dentists, it was very different back then with, with dental town and stuff. So not anonymous dentist, anonymous expert dentist. Correct. Expert. <laughs> Everyone has a keyboard as an expert, you know, and it's, it's funny. Sometimes I'll post something on dental clinical pearls and I'll post the simplest fillings and stuff and I'll just get blasted and I chuckle, you know, I'm like, sorry, this is what I do every day, you know? So anyway, let's, so let's go into uh, this. Now you're at this point, you got this practice going. Now this is 2009. Uh, this is 2010 or 11. 2010. So have yeah. you maintained that trajectory? Have you leveled off? What have you done? No. So so then, unfortunately, well, fortunately, um, marketing came into my life and I became a marketing expert overnight, teaching local dentists how to market their practice. Right. And that led to BirdEye or led to iSocial, I should say. So I started my own review product. Um, I, I was giving seminars on, on this stuff and dentists would literally reach out to me, you need to help me, you need to help me. So I became a consultant first, actually. Um, I started teaching dentists how to do what I was doing and I was getting paid to do it. It was like a hobby for me and it was called iSocial Dental Consulting. Um, and then I created a product for reviews because I knew how important reviews were for me called iSocial Reviews. And a year and a half later, which is 2014, September of 2014, BirdEye bought my company from me and I joined their team as the head of their dental sales. So all of a sudden we went from, from, from dentist full-time to having a dual career, basically. And at that point, the practice, I started taking time away from the practice and my number started to drop because I wasn't there full-time. So um, I was going to ask you, so you said you were doing 25 hours a week. Were you continuing this 25 hours a week? Never, that, that, that has never changed. We still, to this day, it's 25 hours a week. Never changed that, that, that schedule at all. So, so, but your number started to drop. Did you, what do you test it to? I mean, if you're still doing the same numbers chair side... 
because I wasn't, I, I, I started to, I was interested in other things and my focus on the practice started to drop. So it was, it, and, and obviously um, when I'm not in the office as much as I am, I only have a certain number of clinical hours I was seeing patients. So, and it didn't drop a lot. I mean, we went from 2.5 to 2.3 to 2.2. I think we were at 1.8. Um, and then I knew I needed to bring someone in for me and I hired an associate in 2017. Okay. So you, you brought the associate in. Did you then, how did that transition go there? So let's talk about first the entry and then we'll talk about the exit. How did the entry happen? What did you do? So the entry, I found, she, she was, she cold called me. Was, she reached out, sent me a cold call, a mail, a piece of letter in the mail saying, hi, my name is Audrey. I'm, I'm a dentist. I'm looking for you know, our associate position, we just connected. And I, I have to be honest with you, I'm very lucky. I hear nightmare stories about people bringing associates in. I had two of them and that was it. One, she started, joined in 2017. She was amazing. She's um, now in Austin, Texas. Um, she was in the Philly area because her fiance slash partner were, uh, was in uh, DO, I think, uh, psychology, psychology school. So she was in Philly for two to three years. I knew that coming into the into it, but I made one calculated mistake. So she decided that she wanted to go into network with about five insurance companies, and it took my fee for service practice to an insurance practice, um, and that was just a bad move on our parts. Um, I was still out of network. She was in network. So two days a week we're out of network. Two weeks, two days a week we're in network. And it, it caused this tremendous shift in the numbers. Yeah. So it took all it took all the fee for service no patients or patients who were paying full fee, and a, a quarter of them, thirty percent of them, became insurance patients overnight. And so you just you just gave back you know 30 percent of your revenue on on just those patients that are already your patients as it is. Correct. So it was a calculated. I I, I had thought that she would be attracting new patients more so than anything. And that was not the case. So it was, it was taking existing patients. And I told the girls do not put people in schedule and the girls didn't understand the ramifications of doing that. And the practice was hurt from a numbers perspective because of that. Now she was so, only going to be with you. How many did you say three years was her plan? The plan was three years. So she joined in November, July of 2017 and she left in June of 2020 during COVID. She went back to, she went back to um, Austin, Texas. She was a great associate. The girls loved her. The patients loved her. The, my pocket didn't love her, but that's that's beside the point. It is what it is. Um, and it happened. It was a mistake. And I, and I would not urge people to do that again. What did you say happened to your practice? You want to talk what happened to the numbers? So the numbers dropped down to literally, so we were at probably at 1.8, 1.7 before she joined, maybe 1.6. I don't remember the exact numbers, but we ended up dropping down to about, um 1.1 1 .1 or 1.2 the following year that's and a then, uh, 33 drop almost 500 yep. out of 1.5 that's a third of the practice yeah and again i was only i now switched from working four days a week to three days a week temporarily and then we switched to two days a week where i was working mondays and tuesdays so the breadwinner of the practice which was me was was work, only started working 14 hours a week at that point so that was part of the reason why the numbers dropped as well because i just wasn't working a, a lot so, so what, let me ask you a question. Do you know this off the top of your head? How much, what proportion of the revenue was coming from your side of the fee-for-service practice and what was coming from the insurance practice? It was still- I, I gotta guess, I, I gotta guess 70, 30, just a it's, while. Yeah, it's 65, 40, 35, 70, 30. I was still producing, but at working two days a week, I just, obviously numbers were never gonna get to where they were. Right, but you, you know, just, you know, as a lesson, right? You wanna add insurance, Look at what it does to you. I mean, it just yeah. Oh, it it, it, rips it was a definitely a thirty percent drop, hundred percent. So, oh my god! But like I said, it was a, it was a means to the end. We were still a one doctor practice with two doctors working it because yeah. we were both part time two days a week. Um, and she was great. The the team loved her. Patients loved her. Uh, like I said, it just the the pocketbook or the 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 bank didn't love her. Yeah. Um, so now she, you got you got to have a huge change because you're bringing home X percent, depending on what your overhead is, and your overhead had to be pretty low at the two point five number, because you you talked about your fixed, you, you know, you really didn't change much. Right. So now you're down to half of that again, and 
you got a, an associate who's now making what 30 35 on top 35 percent of what she was producing yeah right. so you know that's a huge drop so yeah yeah so, the, the, so the, she leaves what do you do next you brought another associate in or did you just decide to sell no so so i made a decision in my yeah you know, i plan I've, I've planned very well i had plenty of money put aside i have my 401k is is filled I, i'm i knew i was ready i was near ready to be able to have enough money to be able to do other things remember i have other income i mean i, I have bird yeah. eye I, I make a i make a lot of money doing other things hold so on, hold on a second I, you're you're a young guy are you not i'm 47 uh, 48 yeah you're a young guy i'm 58 and uh, yep. you know you're you're a young guy so you're talking about 401ks at 47 come on man go ahead yeah so, so, but I, but we planned well, knowing that, you know, so I, I show a, a little, uh, just so you know, I have a, a, when I moved down to Florida, I found a goal sheet that I set when I was eight years old, eight, eight years old, eight years old. What were yep. your goals at eight? Have, well, one of them, one of them was bicycle. To, what was your goal? No, one, no, literally was to, I wanted to, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a child or children. I wanted to be a successful doctor or lawyer. I wanted to be a good tennis player. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to write some books, which I did. I wanted to move to Florida and I wanted to retire by the age of 50. It was great. It's crazy how, 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 when I show this, it, it really matched up to what I've accomplished. Um, and I've always been, a we didn't talk about goals, but I've always been a goal setter. My team was very goal oriented. Um, but I was goal oriented as a kid. And when did, you, um, when did you find this sheet? Just curious. I said, last year when I moved, when I, so my after parent, you did all this, you no, my God, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> couldn't believe it. And I show it at my seminars now because it, it was very interesting how it all played out. Like it over. And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, so basically I decided that when my associate would, was leaving that I would look to sell the practice. Okay. So I found out in January of 2020 that she was leaving in June of 2020. And I okay. did what yeah. I did what I said. I, I, I let people locally know that the practice was for sale. Gotcha. Okay? So um, I, I had a friend who connected me with two women, um, had a conversation with them. One was what they were going to be partners. One was pregnant in, in, um, in Virginia with her, second child and one was local in Pennsylvania, they had very much interest in the practice. Okay. Got all the information over to the, um, to the accountants and then COVID hit and that stopped everything dead in its tracks. Okay. So of course, March 19th, right. March 19th or whatever the world comes to an end, March, April, May, and then she leaves in June. Okay. And I'm like, well, not selling the practice right now. So the practice remained on the market the entire time. I then became a full-time dentist again. So starting in June, so July and August, I worked, or all of July and part of August, I worked full-time, which I hadn't done in, in years. Now the world wasn't open yet, so I really wasn't traveling, so it didn't matter, I was there. And in July, I got reconnected to a woman who was the actual first person to look to buy my practice but COVID scared her away and now she became my associate remember the first person to buy the practice became my associate not buying the practice she became my associate in August she started August 5th of 2020 okay now, now when you when you hired her you hired her just as an associate or just as an associate with no so plans of buying the practice no plans of buying okay. she had she had no plans of buying the practice she was not interested covid scared her away and she wasn't wasn't there but now when she became when she became my associate the first thing we did was we ended all network affiliations and she was completely out of network like me so now we went back to another fee for service practice and my numbers skyrocketed again that so, quickly though think about that quickly immediately immediate now did, immediate. let me ask you a question did you see now let's take the person the person with insurance x who was fee for service with you then your associate joins the plan now that that patient now goes in network with your associate now right. they leave and they now go back fee for service now did you have a little fallout there it doesn't sound like it. what happened a few a few patients um a had few patients a few a select few Not um that. we Good. we agreed to honor the in-network fees instead of losing them 
only a select few of them, but everybody else, it was like, no big deal. So um, we lost a couple of patients that I know about because of it, just a couple. It was not a lot. Um, so she joined in August um, and then we did really well through the time she was there and then 2021 hit. Um, I had very little action on someone interested in the practice because I was not willing to stay you know, three years. So DSOs were out. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, were not interested yeah. in my practice. Um, so I knew I would have to sell it to someone who was just a single doctor or two, own two practices, someone really small. Um, now it turns out that my associate, who I currently, who was my associate, she ended up buying the practice. So she ended up making a decision in June of this year that, and, and it was interesting because for the first few months, she was doing nice dentistry, but nothing big. In, in May of 2021, she started doing some really, really big cases in my practice. So it took her about six months to ramp up. And then she started really ramping up the dentistry she was doing. And I said, this is going to be a time that she makes a decision to buy the practice. And bingo, one day she called me up and she says, Len, I'm ready to make an offer. And without hesitation, I took the offer. It was less money than I had been offered by some people. But this was a nice, easy way for me to transition the practice. I was staying in the practice as the associate. We agreed to the terms. And October 1st, we sold it. Now, okay. talk about some deja vu real quick. So in, in September of 2021, this year, she bought a home. Okay? <laughs> I know where you're going. And, and she's due in March with her third child. I was just going to say, she's having a baby too. She's having a baby in March of, of, and she just bought a practice almost exactly buy, like it was 15 years ago. Did she buy a car also? That's the other one. No, I don't think she bought a car. No. Not yet. Okay. Um, oh, but but the, so the only thing I, so I own, I still own the building. She is renting the building from me. And then hopefully in two years, she can afford to buy the building from me. And then I will, uh, she'll have the complete ownership of the practice. Um, but it's been great. Honestly, October 1st came around. Um, I was ready. I'm still there two days a week, um, supporting her, mentoring her because she needs help running the business. She's a great dentist. Um, and you know, it's, we're, we're, this is this December now that we're recording this. So she, today was literally, well, today was the last day in the office for the team. And we, we spoke at five, five 30. So I wish congratulations. She actually completed her first quarter today because it's the end of the end of the first quarter for her. So I wish her congratulations. She's done very well. Um, but it was, it's crazy. My numbers, our numbers for 2021 would have been back to not, not no one year prior to, you know, when I, when I was by myself with no associates, but we, we, were 35 or 40% higher than we were when I was with my associate who was in network. So, so let's say, so she comes into the practice, you said it was doing about 1.1. Now you gotta be, you're, you're up, you know, you're up 1.4. 1, 1, 1, 1.4. We should yeah. finish a share of that 1.4 million. Yep. Yeah. You know, so, yep. and, and you said that, so what was the change in her mindset? What was it again? What was it? What, what did you feel that was the turning point to went from worker B to owner B? What was it? Well, well, it wasn't that it was, it was the fact that she started doing more comprehensive cases in one month. She had a, a month that like no other associate ever had, or the other associate never had, where she, she, she actually out only, I think one month, she outproduced me by a significant amount. And that was the impetus for her to say, I think I'm ready to do this. Well, what, what caused that change in her? What caused that change? Did you ever find out what it was? I, I just think she, she, the patients that were coming in, were remember were two days and two days so I, it just that month she ended up getting patients who she was able to convert into bigger cases veneers and some implant cases and it just happened at one time uh more so by luck because it just depended on the patients coming in what day they came in you know now she's seeing all the new patients i don't really see many new patients i'm trying to complete the work that i'm still involved with um she works uh, three days a week in the practice she still has an associateship she's, she's finishing up and after she gives birth, she'll take, I don't know, a month off for maternity and then she'll come full time. Um, and so I will. So it wasn't that she acquired this new skill set. wasn't like she took an implant course or, you nope. know, you know, you know, the, whatever series of lectures that you, you want to. Nothing. Ask. No, she didn't. No. Nope. So great. Nope, so that's didn't. wonderful. So now has now, how would you describe? So you already said that you sold it for less than you already had an offer for. 
And and would you be fair to say much less than market value? Um, I think if I sold in 2022, not 2021, based on 21 numbers, I would have gotten a lot more money for the practice. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. but but I knew I needed a specific number to get. Um, and I and I got the number and I was very pleased. So you, you weren't know. greedy. I mean, you could have been greedy. No, you could have hung on not, and squeezed every nickel out of it. You could, right? You not at all. Something. So the patient, the care of the patients is important to you still. 100% so. so. So the relationship, so all the stuff that, all the seeds and all the things you've done in your fee-for-service world is also who you are, right? And, and it shows just by what you described. I mean, there, if you're truly a businessman first, you know, you're, you're, you're going to do that at the expense of your patient relationships. And you did it. So kudos to you. Not at all. I could have sold to another another yeah. gentleman from New York. And I think it would have wreaked havoc on the practice. I think team the team would have would have left, okay? Yeah. Um, the team they loves my, They would have run. My team loves the, the new owner. She's friendly with them. Um, everybody gets along. The patients really don't know the difference. I've had one person complain because we're letting people know when they come in, when we didn't send a letter out, she wanted to meet everybody and I want to introduce her to people. So a couple of days ago, I had my first complaint from a patient saying she should have been told ahead of time, but nobody's other, there's been no other patients who said anything. And uh, it's been a very good transition, you know, from me going from owner to associate. Um, yeah, has let's been talk about that now. Let's has talk been about interesting. the other side of the coin, baby. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so I wasn't sure how I was going to react. Okay. Right. Um, because I'm a, I'm a type A personality. Uh -huh. um, I like to, to rule the roost. And I have to be honest with you, I was talking to my wife today about this. And, and I, it's been a very interesting uh, transition only because, honestly, when I leave the practice, I'm, I don't have to be, I'm not the owner anymore. So I just relax. I have no stress in my life anymore. And when a patient reaches out, she, you know, we get messages that people are reaching out to us via our various marketing efforts. She knows she has to reach out to them. I don't reach out to patients anymore unless they reach out specifically to me. So the patients still have my cell phone. So some do reach out to me and I take care of it. But there's, I, I've been, I've been very happy with the way I've dealt with it. Um, it's definitely not as, um, I guess you can say, uh, the money isn't the same as I thought it would be as the associate, simply because I don't think I've been as busy. Um, I'm not working every single week. Um, if the if I'm not busy, I just don't fly up because I'm coming from Florida. Um, and, um, my, the plan is when she comes back from maternity, I will then switch to like every other week, um, or only two times a month coming up. Um, and then the plan is as long as everything remains the same through the end of the year, I'll do that same thing. And then come 2023, we'll figure out what the schedule is going to be. But by the time I turn 50, July of 20. 23 is when I plan to hang it up. So I will. You're, yeah, you're going to be goal. done in 2023, probably sooner than later, because there comes a point, I think, where mentally you're going to feel like you're not servicing your practice as well as you'd like. This no, is I'm just, sure. This is just a guess. I mean, because we, we've purchased doctors who've retired and work with us and stuff. And, you know, and there, all things are good. But there was, a, you know, there was a guy working. He was working four days a week, you know, 55 hours chairside. A crazy, just a great guy. He stayed, he cut his hours to three days or four days regular schedule and then three days. And then when he got it down to two, he said, I feel like I'm not working anymore. So, and it was, it was really interesting. It truly came from the heart because we love them. Patients love, everybody loved the guy. We still love, him. if he can, if he called me tomorrow, I'd be like, Hey, when can you come? Let's go. You know, he's just a great guy. He had that type of vibrancy, you know, but I, 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 I don't know. I'm just, just a wild ass guess. So what yeah. would your what would your advice be to somebody in your shoes? Well, I would say number one, you need to really plan well. And the only reason I'm able to do what I did was one, because I did plan very well. I set up certain goals every year financially and we made those goals. And now I'm 48 years old and I was able to do it again because I, I know where I needed to be numbers wise. I, I think the a big thing, and I, I tell this to everyone, is you have to know your numbers as a business owner. Working for Berta, I speak to dentists all day long, every day, um, and it, the conversation jumps. Not only it's not only about Berta that I talk about; uh, it's a credibility thing for me. So I have conversations about marketing, business, and everything else. And when I ask people questions, it's amazing how little they know about their business. 
So I think the, one of the biggest morals is you have to know your numbers. I'm a huge Shark Tank fan, and they always say that if you don't know your numbers, you can't run a business right? successfully. That's right. So, How can you come in here and not know your numbers? Yeah. So so when I ask someone, what is their adjusted production with insurance? They so what is that? Well, like, what does that mean? That That's a problem. They don't know how to run their business. Okay. I know exactly how much each year I produce, how much year I collect, what my overhead is, what my biggest overhead is, which is always going to be your um, your uh, staff or your team. But I know my numbers like a T. And that's why my business ran really well. So I think that's a really important thing that the listeners need to understand is if you're going to take a stranglehold of your business and grow, you have to know your numbers. Okay. If you're marketing, don't hire an agency and track, not track what they're doing because you have to know if what you're paying for is actually returning in return on investment. If you're getting no ROI, find another company to do it. So, and and, and that's what I've done. So let's say you hire a person, they're going to, we're going to handle your, um, we're going to do your website. We're going to get your SEO raise. We're going to do all this. And you're going to pay the tune of $2,000 a month. You got to know if that, if that return is worth it. You know? Yeah. Okay, so, so let's say your SEO changes. Does that translate into more patience? It better, you better, you better be getting, if you're spending 20 plus thousand dollars a year on that, just as an example, you should be looking at three to five times that ROI. If they're not proving they're sending 75 to a hundred thousand dollars to you, time to find a new company. Because right. you're not getting you're not getting any results from that. So, like I said, you you need to know your numbers. You need to plan well, and then you have to decide. You you have to act. You have to act. And what I mean by that is is that very early in my career, I took a class by Roger Levin. Yeah. Roger Levin is a practice consultant in Owings Mills, Maryland, and I will never forget this. He said, ninety eight percent of the decisions you make in life should take two seconds to make. Two percent of the decisions you make in life should take you a lot longer to decide upon. So buying a practice, buying a house, selling your practice, getting married, those are decisions that should take you a while to make. Almost every other decision you should be able to make in two seconds because it's going to have very little impact on your life or your career. And that's how I live my life. So literally, I will tell you, um, we came down November for Thanksgiving of 2019 and and saw my um, sister and brother who moved to Delray in August of 19. Are you near Delray? Yeah, I'm, I'm 15 minutes from Delray Beach. Yep. Oh, Ron, Ron Kaminer just moved down there too. Yeah. So, so my, so we we were we were in the 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 ocean, just sunbathing basically. <laughs> um, and I said to my, "What do you think about moving to Florida?" She goes, "You got to be joking." I'm like, "No, I'm serious." So we we love warm weather. We hate the cold. And literally, I woke up one morning during COVID and said, "Let's move to Florida." My wife said, "Are you joking?" I'm like, "No." And we literally moved three months later. That was it. I made the decision and we did it. So for those that are listening, you have to make decisions and act on it. Um, people have said to me, what are your plans down in Florida? I will not be doing dentistry down here. I'm not getting a Florida license. So when I retire, I'm done with dentistry. That's the decision I made. Um, you know, I will still work as long as I, I physically am able or physically want to work. Um, if tomorrow something happened and I couldn't work anymore, I would, I'd be happy and, and content with it. I mean, that's just the way my life has been. Um, you know, I, I help practices with Broda. I help practices with marketing. I do some consulting still, but I have a lot of uh, a lot of people I work with in the industry, and I'm, I'm the same person I always am. I always tell people, call me, reach out to me, text me. I'm uber responsive. I respond right away. How I am in business is how I am in my life, and that's just the way it's been. Can I can I give a little plug for you right now? Sure. I, I have used your company now for a few years, and I think I met you at the Yan- at the Yankee conference. We no we. We, so we met at person at Yankee for the first time, but we I spoke to you when I was in Minnesota at a at a, at a, a business consulting that I have. I had a business consultant, and I was in Minnesota seeing him when we first spoke for the very first time. That's how my memory is. Yeah, so, well, it was on the phone. We spoke on the yeah, phone. Yeah, correct. Yeah, right. signed up on the phone. Yep, correct. Yeah, so, but, you know, legitimately, I can text Len. I could call Len, so we've used a company. If certain things come up, I'm like, hold on a second. I'll text Len. Boom, I, I get a response like I'm sitting next to him on a bus and it's that quick. And in today's world, I mean, real time, right? If, and, and, and again, you want to make decisions that take two. I, 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 I'm going to tell you, I firmly believe and agree with that. And, uh, you know, sometimes you make a wrong decision, but you know, it's, it shouldn't be life or, de- life or death decision. So many people analyze, you know, analysis to paralysis and I feel sorry for them. Cause they can't get off the stoop, you know, you know, it's either fish or cut bait at this point. Let's go. 
And um, I just think people are afraid to make a mistake and they get, they get frozen in it, but it's true. It's a true statement. You're not blowing smoke. You, you absolutely are responsive. And I, I bet you, and I know that you, you in your practice do the same thing. It's just who you are. And that's, that's my, I don't want patients waiting. Patients have my cell phone number. They know they, not that they abuse it, but they do it because they know that I'm, they're able to reach out to me and I'm the same way with them. Super responsive. We'll call them back. That's just what I do. Yeah. It's wonderful. Okay. Well, let, I, I got I do. I, you're my first time you've been on the show. So I got to ask you my, my favorite question. I ask everybody at the end of the show. If you could travel back in time and go one place, one time, anywhere for any reason, where would you go and why? So the question is, if I was could travel to one place, one time yeah. in, in, in the past, yep. where would I, where would I go? Where, where, where would I go and why? Where, wow, when, that. and why? Yeah, that's, that's probably the right way to say it. When would you go? Where would you go? Like, you know, like, uh, wow. like Christopher Lloyd, you're getting in the, uh, you're getting in the, uh, back DeLorean. to the future of DeLorean. Um, you know, I don't, that's tough to say. Wow. That's a really tough question. Uh, um, so if I had to tell you, I, I'm a huge, huge um, sports fan. So I, I would tell you it would be to probably to some, some sporting event that was a really, really big deal. Um, but you know what? Um, I can't, I can't tell you that. I, I'm Wow. I, I'm I'm stumped and I'm not at a loss for words, but that's a very, very, that's a really good question. I'm going to write that down because I want to ask my podcast <laughs> that same question because, because, because it's very, very, you know, you know, no, I asked my podcast and, you know, I have a podcast that I have, I've done, I'm in five, fifth season now starting next week. Uh-huh. And um, I'll answer, I'll answer your question in a second, by the way, but I, I go through a, a, a lightning round question and I have these deck of cards that I ask them. It's called, would you rather would you rather this or would you rather that? That's the question. Like really easy questions. I don't ever put this upon themselves. So where would I go and why? Um, honestly, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. I'm a big history buff. I, I, I would probably go back in time to, wow. Well, you know, one of my idols has always been JFK, but obviously never been able to meet him because he was assassinated. So I, I would I would probably go back to a time when I was able to see him and talk to him because I've always been intrigued by by what he was able to accomplish and the effect he's had because we still talk about that to, the, to this day. Um, you know, he's been he was a uh, someone I looked up to when I when I was when I, when I heard about what happened to him. I, I I studied a lot about about JFK. So I would have to tell you it was something related. I, I, I don't want to say I want to go to his assassination. That's definitely wrong. But but at some point during during his lifetime, I would I would travel back and, and sit with him and meet with him and, and, and hopefully get to know him a little better. I, I think that's the safest way to say that, but specific instance, I don't know about. I was born on the day of his funeral. Oh, really? November 30th. Yeah. It was a Saturday. My sisters were ticked off because the cartoons were all off TV and they were all showing JFK's funeral. <laughs> that's funny. And I, I had a chance to go to Dallas and I don't know if you've ever been or had a chance to see it. We went to, yeah, you were just there not too long ago with your son. Weren't yeah. you there with your son? Yeah. Unbelievable trip. I mean, just made the, the museum. And then there was a there was a book and you, you you learn about it. And then you see and you learn the actual facts, what's been proven, what's been before Congress, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's it's a it's murky for a definite reason. There's no question about it. So of, of course. And you want to know how crazy life is, Sonny. I'll tell you this. So my dad I was a dentist. We didn't talk about my dad. My dad passed away this past June. Um, he, he he suffered a, a medical um, problem when I was in college. Um, he had developed cancer when I was in my second year of, of college at Tulane. And oh, I knew my. that the, the, the goal was to go into practice with him. And yeah. once one, he had two practices, one in the house I grew up in in New City and one in the uh, New, York, New York City, Riverdale. And the goal was for me to take over one of those practices. And when he developed cancer, he had to sell his New York practice. And I knew that there was not a really a possibility of me working with him, but I thought I would end up in New York. Okay. So the crazy part about it is, you know, we, we go through a match product process at, at, you know, for residencies. And my first choice was a match in Connecticut, University of Connecticut's AEGD program. 
Um, and they told me that I was their first choice. So I knew there was going to be a match there and I planned everything. I wondered if I could still live in Boston and travel to, 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 to Connecticut, but that was not going to happen. Um, well, it turns out when the match came out, I was sent to Southern Jersey. I'm like, what, what happened? Like Southern Jersey was my second choice. I knew something got screwed up. So I called the program up and they said, when we apologize, we had a clerical error and you and three other people got left off our match. We still have openings in our, in our program, but the, the person who was in charge of that program would not let me break the match. So I got sent to Southern Jersey. And then I ended up meeting my ex-wife in Southern Jersey and staying in Philadelphia forever because of that. So it's amazing that one little thing really affected how my rest of my life would have, would have played out. So, you know, you talk about how, how that is. There's a specific incidence where <laughs> things just changed for unexpectedly, but it, it was destiny, obviously, because it led me to everything else that I did. You know, it's funny when I asked you that question about going back I, and you're a sports fan and you mentioned the Yankees, I immediately said, oh, it's going to be back to watch the murderers row and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Well, that was what I was thinking about. Or, or, or Don, you Larson's going perfect, there. Yeah. Don Larson's perfect game or something like that. Um, those are all big, I mean, huge Yankee fans. So, um, but, but I said, you know what, that's too sappy and stuff. I think I need to, there's more, more important thing in life than a sporting event. <laughs> so it's been a fun question. Everybody's had a different answer. So I appreciate you. Uh, we'll wrap this up and then, uh, just stay on for a second. I got a couple things to ask you. So thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully you got something out of it as always. I know I did. And I appreciate you Len, very much. Thanks for enter entertaining us and, and giving us a lot of really good insights into what could be some of our futures. So thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the fee for service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.